Welcome, Marvelites, to a brand new episode of the MCU Exchange Podcast. This is episode 27. Woo! My Woo! name is Aaron. I'll be your host for this episode. Alongside me is Charles. What's up? And Joe. Hello. And we just want to give, give a shout out to our listeners over at Spotify, YouTube, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for very much for your support. Please do follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Exchange. You can also head over to our website for all the MCU goodies at www.mcexchange.com. Let's get right to it. The latest news of the MCU in the past week. First up, quite unfortunate news, fellas. <laughs> so it's been, re- it's been revealed that Marvel Studios will not participate in the upcoming Comic-Con at Home. Hmm. An article from Deadline regarding the confirmed panels at Comic-Con at Home. At home, the latest indications hint that Marvel Studios and DC will both pass on the virtual event that runs from July 22 to 26. And I quote, we hear Marvel is sitting on the sidelines and that Warner Brothers feature side of DC will hold their goods for their own virtual fan confab in August, which is DC fandom next month. Okay, pretty sad news, but expected at least. Joe... What do you think about this news? You know, Marvel Studios not doing any panels. Do you think that we've, we've been talking about it in the past few weeks about Marvel doing their own thing? But at, at this point, do you think that's still likely or just they will just release a slew of marketing materials for Black Widow and the Eternals instead? It's uh, the fact that they're not at uh, San Diego Comic-Con is, is like with DC, it's to be expected with their own event. With Marvel, with pretty much dead silence on on any project they have mostly just rumors or stuff anyone picks up online yeah but marvel themselves haven't really talked about anything revealed anything um we don't have anything about hellstrom for example so that's just going to be thrown into the hulu stuff mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a surprising dead silence and i think the one the one thing we have to respect about marvel studios is that first of all they're very secretive about a lot of things but also they don't they don't necessarily try to reveal anything if they don't have anything because we we know that a lot of like online expectations are always extremely high that when you know like this San Diego Comic-Con at home everyone can finally go to San Diego Comic-Con Marvel Studios or DC would have a panel and we already hear that a lot of like expectations for DC fandom are extremely high you know, will that really hurt them in the moment because they have nothing to show, nothing's coming out, they can't say when anything will be released. So I think it also depends on, like, if they do their own events, uh, if Falcon and Winter Soldier can manage to get their uh, footage together that they're trying to do. So I think it depends on if they have enough for Falcon the Winter Soldier to say, okay, this is coming out this year, this is the date, they might do, like, a mini thing, like a mini reveal thing, with like, oh, don't forget Black Widow. But with the state that the U.S. is, I think they're just trying to be like, let's focus on our projects and let's use this time as, as effectively as we can. Yeah. Charles, how about you? Do you think that Marvel Studios skipping San Diego Comic-Con is a wise move on their end? Because, you know, this is the first time ever that San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con is doing this at-home convention and it... It has a massive reach worldwide. Anyone can participate. Anyone can join yeah. panels and stuff like that. Do you think that it's a wise move that delaying, I mean, not be able to participate in this upcoming con? I think it's fine. Uh, Joe said it best. I mean, Marvel's not going to show something they're not ready to show. And a lot of their stuff is far from ready to be 
presented or to be announced publicly. Also, you do have a point in saying that uh, out of all the times to miss Comic Con, it's it's when where literally everyone around the world can finally see it. So it is kind of, I guess it's a missed opportunity like that. But then again, they know what they're doing. They know what they have right now in their, they know what cards they've been dealt with. And I think they're do, they're dealing with it accordingly. The last thing you want is to make this big sort of presentation and then Europe gets locked down. The U.S. gets locked down and then no one can mm. fucking shoot anywhere. Then you've kind of you've kind of just sort sort of wasted resources promoting plugging everything in in Comic Con and now you're just sort of stuck. So I'm sure they don't want to do that. DC on the other hand, you know that's sort of their thing, isn't it? Just you know announcing stuff even though it's not yet fully ready to go. <laughs> They've been announcing stuff for the past five years and we've only seen like a handful of those the, those projects come to life. So it, it's sort of in their wheelhouse at the same time. Uh, so I'm not I'm not too bummed. Uh, it is what it is, and you know I, I I think ultimately it's a smart thing to do. Got it. And you know, with a Black Widow trailer is in the midst, uh, we hope everyone is hoping that you know that's the start of new MCU content at least for <laughs> at this mm. point. And now yeah. um, we have another news here coming, very interesting news for. One of the Disney Plus series, Miss Marvel, has been revealed that IndieWire confirmed that theoretical physicist Clifford Johnson will be working as an advisor on the Miss Marvel Disney Plus series. And uh, for those those unaware, Johnson has worked with Marvel Studios in the past in terms of Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. During Endgame, he specifically worked on Endgame's time travel elements. So... For those mm. not really that, when I first heard this news, I was like, "So what's up with time travel and Miss Marvel? How, how do I connect the dots?" I'm not really aware for those for, for those uh, fans of the comics. Charles, what can you say? What, how can you connect the, the stretching powers of Miss Marvel to time travel? I mean, I don't know. I, I had Joe explain it to me right before we recorded. I'm not. I'm not actually quite sure how. I wasn't quite sure how. You know, Miss Marvel was sort of connected to this whole idea of time travel in the first place. But but Joe later explained that you know because she she shapeshifts. I mean, all that mass has to come from somewhere, and it turns out that you know it has something to do with you know displacing mass from another plane or some shit like that. Something super crazy. Uh, I think this uh, the, the involvement of this physicist is going to limit it strictly to that. I don't think there's going to be a, a major time travel plot point mm. with Miss yeah. Marvel. I think it's going to be grounded. It's going to be about her just trying to live her day to day. There's not going to be, you know, Kang's not going to show up. There's not going to be like an Infinity, Infinity Stone type of, of plot point. So, yeah, I like that they're bringing in this dude who's, 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 you know, who's pretty much a genius because he manages to sort of explain comic book nonsense in a very, very, I guess, quote-unquote realistic manner. Um, so it is exciting that they're, they're, they're thinking about exploring Kamala's powers and how it possibly works within the parameters of, you know, our science. And I think that's pretty cool. Joe, how about you? Uh, are you excited, like, um, with the prospect of this particular aspect being explored in Miss Marvel? I, I think it could be. So the thing is, is that this gives a real form of consequence to her using her powers 
and that's I think a kind of an interesting concept is like okay so she loses mass so what happens so she, one day she uses her powers and then all of a sudden like a week later she just goes completely thin looks extremely sick maybe she even loses strength in her legs like she's going to school everything's normal all of a sudden she just collapses so the thing will be is that if they're really going to explore this concept to not only explain how her powers work but also the consequences of using this and i think that's a really good way to also add the how does she hide her abilities who she is uh, what happens if she's like fight i think the eventer was uh, rumored to be her arch nemesis who might also be the reason why they're having a physicist here who tries to explain and explore her powers and abilities uh it, it's an interesting concept and i i'm curious if like if they're going to go all in or if they're just going to try to use this as to explain like they could also use this scientist to pretty much create a theory on how far will a bad guy fly if she changes the mass of her fist by five times and punches him in the face it's it's a fun prospect but i do love and i think marvel has always done this even back in doctor strange is that they try to use real world concepts real world physics and and they always explore uh, they always try to get scientists involved to give a realistic aspect to some of the more absurd elements of the marvel universe and i think this just continues that trend and opens up like there's also the possibility that's connected to the quantum realm and, and so much more that it's, it's a really exciting prospect and you know maybe it's not just one speculation maybe it's not really centered in miss marvel maybe other inhumans that exhibits uh mm. those science scientific powers will be further explored and that that pizza consultant like johnson true yeah yeah all right next up on the list of news is very exciting news for black widow <laughs> it's been confirmed by black widow director kate chartland that the phase four entry will propel another female storyline with scarlett johansson natasha romanoff handing the baton to fuse yelena belova and i quote kevin feige realized that the audience would expect an origin story so of course we went in the opposite direction and we didn't know how great florence Pugh would be we knew she would be great but we didn't know how great Scarlet is so gracious, like, oh, I'm handing her the button. So it's going to propel another female storyline. So it's been confirmed, right? But, uh, Yelena Belova will be the next Black Widow in the MCU after this film. Joe, what do you think of that prospect? Do you think that she will be like Natasha, you know, being part of the Avengers? Or do you think that she will be part of the long-rumored Thunderbolt series? Because she's, she's been a part of that team comics uh I, i would put her close if if this continues the way it does i would put her closer to the thunderbolts um i could kind of see her being a double cross agent between avengers and thunderbolts i think that would be a fun prospect that she seems like a villain on the one end but is actually helping them the thing is it's just like natasha was with shield so she kind of lived outside of the this world she grew up in which yelena has not Yeah. So they're they're going to explore and that's the thing I like at first you're like oh they're just going to repeat the character concepts we're going to have a new Hawkeye we're going to have a new Black Widow but a lot of these characters have such different origins or backstories that their way of approaching these things are going to add their own flair or unique elements and I I kind of really hope that they dive in with the spy aspect of Yelena especially because i do i do kind of think that the black widow franchise could be its own like with sequels i i would love to see like characters like the red guardian return more often 
So I'm, I'm really hoping they go all in with this concept and explore these Mission Impossible spy thriller James Bond-esque world that they're hopefully introducing with Black Widow. Charles, how about you? you know, how, how would Natasha pass the baton to Yelena Belova in a way that do you think that Natasha will still continue to pop up in flashbacks in future movies due to Yelena's future involvement in the MCU? Oh, good question. Because mm. actually, I actually didn't think about this until now. Black Widow was set in 2016. Natasha doesn't die until 2023. So, you know, the baton isn't really passed. You know, there's no really... There's no moment where, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Natasha isn't going to go, hey, uh, I want you to become the next Black Widow. I, I, don't, I doubt that's going to happen. So I am kind of interested in how this baton is being passed. Uh, it could be more figurative. Maybe it doesn't even happen in the movie. It's more like, you know, Natasha's dead. Here is this new character that you get to meet that's in, in the past. And figuratively and, you know, conceptually, moving forward, the next Black Widow you see is going to be her. It could be something, something as figurative like that. Then again, maybe there's a scene in the movie where Natasha tells Yelena, yeah, if something ever happens to me, I... I want it to be you. It could be like that. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see because, you know, for the most part, we sort of believe that because Natasha is wearing Yelena's jacket in Infinity War, you know, everyone, including me, was pretty much convinced that, oh, shit, Yelena's going to die. But I guess this confirmation Mm. is sort of, this confirmation from Shoreline is sort of, you know, telling us, wait, that's that's not exactly going to happen. Also, there's that scene in the trailer where we see Yelena on, um, like an operating table with where where she has that sort of I think something in her head where she might be getting lobotomized and you know I, I think that she, she, maybe she she's turned into like a, a brainwashed assassin and maybe she becomes mm. a bad guy moving forward and maybe that sort of the baton Natasha's passing maybe the Black Widow man, mantle will, will be something more antagonistic moving forward because a lot of fans have been sort of I've been clamoring to see the Thunderbolts, and Yelena seems like a perfect fit for that. Maybe this is where the Black Widow mantle is heading towards in the future. Either way, it's 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 exciting to see that. Exciting to know that we're getting we're gonna get more of Yelena moving forward. Yeah, I mean, Florence mm. Pugh is an amazing actress, and her involvement is a notable addition in the future of the MCU. All right, next up on the list is another rumor for MCU here. Um, A new rumor from Jeremy Conrad of MCU Cosmic has indicated that Marvel Studios may not be done telling the story of the Mad Titan Thanos. The rumor is that there are no definitive plans for specific storylines in which the studio is planning his return, but it is currently something in the cards. Marvel's big bad, Mm. Thanos, returning to the MCU. Charles, what do you think of this rumor of you know Thanos possibly returning and which property do you think that he's most likely to appear is it the Eternals or the, the rumored Nova film in the flashback it's not surprising because he is by and large one of the best movie villains we've had in I don't know, the past mm-hmm. 20 years I mean if, if we got Darth Vader in Rogue One after you know how many years since I guess Revenge of the Sith or maybe even um, Return of the Jedi I'm pretty sure, you know, Marvel is always going to be interested in finding a way to bring back Thanos, be it in a big role or maybe, you know, like the Rogue One-ish 
cameo where he just shows up for the scene. Uh, as for which property, I'm kind of hoping he isn't in the Eternal. He, he is in the Eternals, me, but not as as a grown-up Thanos. Maybe as baby kid deformed yeah. Thanos because you know Eternals has to do with um, his lineage, his family, his mom and dad. So currently, that's where I sort of posit Thanos appearing, but. Moving forward, maybe Nova. I mean, uh, maybe they, if if they ever do a Nova film, maybe they could show what happens to Sandar when Thanos gets the stone. Yeah. Maybe that's where they can sort of bring Thanos in. Uh, but then again, you know, getting Josh Brolin for a flashback scene where you know where we know he's he's gonna lose. Where this Thanos we see destroying Sandar is gonna die. He's gonna get beheaded by Thor. Maybe that might not be the best. Uh, reappearance by Brolin, but you know, there's a lot of opportunity to bring him in 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 the future of the MCU, so I'm hopeful that this comes true. Joe, how about you? Which property do you think that Thanos will show up next? So I, I'm I'm with Charles. I, I'd say Eternals is a perfect way to kind of also explore because they are connected to him. The the entire mythology they're gonna build up in that franchise uh is going to be connected to Thanos and I think that would be a fantastic place to be like Oh, okay. This this is why he's you know, giant purple man. <laughs> um, uh, the, but I do think like one thing I would love to see in especially moving forward is we're living now, or the Avengers are living in a post Thanos world, and this isn't the only thing that Thanos has done. And like with the Nova story, like that the the character of Nova is the last remaining of the Nova Corps after the devastation of Xandar that we still get. Like these moments, like I think I always love the concept of a a because we haven't had like a revenge story uh, concept in the MCU yet, and just imagining Nova going out training, becoming stronger, becoming the Nova we know in the comics to defeat Thanos, only to arrive at a world where he is defeated, he's gone. Um, I think would be a really interesting story to explore, or just in general, also. I, I think he's if he returns, it's going to be cameos or like smaller roles in films. Uh, as we see with Black Widow and the Eternals, they're exploring more non-linear storytelling. We're, we're going to have mid-quills and prequels and, and probably more in that direction. So I think there's more chances for him to return. I just don't think we're going to see like Thanos the movie anytime. Uh, I, I, it would be interesting, but at the same time, that was pretty much Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And I think that him just having a presence or looming over the Avengers, like... How, how do you top that? How the Avengers... I mean, some of them have to have their own kind of PTSD after that war. There's a lot to explore and, and ways to also bring him back in meaningful ways. I think it would be fun if he showed up in WandaVision, just <laughs> like the neighbor who just happens to look like Thanos in bad makeup. I mean, you can do so much fun. Yeah, just like, you know, just like the flashback in Spider-Man Far From Home in that Iron Man corpse... Just to oh yeah, uh, just to recall that emotional pain that Peter experienced. Yeah. You know, and Vision was killed by Thanos, so Wanda uh, going into madness because of a vision from Thanos. It actually makes sense in a way. <laughs> mm. All right, and then she all... makes him ridiculous, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, the MC have done crazy things, and one division is one of the crazy, crazier shows out there mm. for the future of the MC. And that's all the latest news for the rundown for the MCU this week. And now we move on to my favorite segment, which is the Shield Season Pass. Yay! And the No Fits Show. <laughs> 
Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> this is Agents of Shield season seven, episode seven, the totally excellent adventures of Mac and the D. Hmm, that's the what D. <laughs> All right, so this is a bottle episode, as you mentioned earlier, Joe. It's mm. fo- only focused on the shenanigans of Deke and Mac uh, while we're while they're stuck in 1982 up to 1983 because there's a New Year scene there, right? So mm. they're left behind, and um, it's. Do you think that the pairing between these two is odd? Because you know, it should have been Mac and Yo-Yo. That that would be a much clearer pairing. But the writers decided to pair these two characters. Do you think that there's a reason behind that? I think it's a, it's a worthwhile. Do you think that it's a worthwhile dynamic to explore? Uh, I I definitely love this dynamic because they're at such opposite ends. Yeah. Um. You, you just and the thing is, we already have like the, this whole concept. Even in a speech that Mac holds, is he did this before. Deke utilized the technology from his time and made it became a millionaire with a company back in season six. So this isn't like new for Deke to do, and it's such a fun. And and the thing is, is that you know Yo-Yo. If if Yo-Yo was with him, the dynamic would be he's depressed. She tries to cheer him up. Maybe they break up and then they get back together. That would be the storyline or or some kind of like relationship exploration. This is pretty much the craziest member of the ages of of the ages of Shield crew. Yeah, forces Mac to kind of confront reality and also get off his butt <laughs> yeah and also colson being colson uh trusting the deke squad to form a base in the lighthouse what do you think about that <laughs> i mean that was that was peak deke <laughs> let's say yeah it, especially with the whole like oh this is they're actually undercover agents and then they i love the i think the funniest joke was the whole coke thing yeah, <laughs> it's just like we're trying to bust people that do drugs. What? And I found out he has a stable job. He sells coke. And it's just the face on Mac is like, I don't know how you could sell that much beverages to make money. And it's like, oh my lord. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I love I love the dynamic you know, between the Deke Squad and I love the reveal about it and I love yeah. how lovable they are even though uh, one member has been killed by a robot. <laughs> Yeah, that that I mean, a lot of it was like '80s tropes. You have the twins. Uh, you have the random Russian character in there. You have the female uh, partner in crime. It, they had all the tropes, and then they like I did not expect how bloody they would go all in yeah. on their trip. Foreign violence. That was yeah. I mean, especially the 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 guy in the beginning who gets the dr- like. I thought, okay, they're gonna have the drill and they're gonna do the thing where, okay, blood splurts out, but then they just show him from the back of like, oh, oh God, oh, oh Lord. Yeah, right. So, and it's pretty funny because the Chronicoms. Uh, I mean, they're no more hunters, right? Like, there's, there's only Sybil going around. Yeah. Well, she built a hunter, but it's been destroyed by uh, the shotgun axe of Mac. It's the return of the shotgun <laughs> axe, Joe. Uh, Finally. Finally, after seven episodes, it returned. Um, okay, so Sybil is has built his own robotic body, but it was since blown up. However, it was revealed at the end of the episode that Nathaniel Malik is still alive, which is really changing, mm. really fucking up the timeline in a way. And he is in cohorts with 
Sybil in the similar way Coulson has been retrieved in like a TV monitor, a computer monitor. Yeah. So and it also is a callback to when the I think the Malikers are going to be throughout the entire season. So we pretty yeah, much have our beginning to end villain with the yeah. Chronicoms and the Malik family. So it's going to be the Mal- it's Ma- Malik family and the Chronicoms teaming up together to not just destroy Shield, but also to raise Hydra from from the ashes in a way, right? Mm-hmm. So okay, so the implications of that scene at the end, I'll be brief, because. The last time we saw Malik, Nathaniel Malik, so many Maliks. <laughs> Nathaniel Malik yeah. was, uh, he took Quake's powers. Question is, does he still have it? So I'm trying to find out. And I was reading a lot of articles about the Agents of Shield in the past days. If, mm. if he still has it, and I know, I know Daisy still has it as well because it's not possible that the tra- that the tra- uh, powers will be transferred from one person to another. I don't know if they had the technology back then. Mm. That'll be an intense matchup, intense clash, and presumably one of the finales. That, you see, that's the thing what, what confuses me about this whole thing is that, well, because last time we saw Malik, he was like every bone in his body is destroyed and a house pretty much fell on top of him. So yeah. you'd assume he died. or um, But now he, he seems fine. Yeah, he, he no scars. He I didn't even recognize him at first, I'll be honest. <laughs> it's like, who's that? What who's yeah. that now? Is that no, that can't be. And we don't even know if Daisy, like the the whole thing that with this inhuman stealing of, of powers uh is based on well from, from Daniel uh White uh, Whitehall is that he ch- he doesn't steal the powers, he just implants the DNA of the inhuman in his yeah. own DNA to get their abilities per se. Yeah. Which, you know, is is probably what happened, but we don't because Daisy we haven't seen Daisy the entire episode. So she was pretty much still knocked out and we have no idea if that'll tie and I feel like that will also tie into next week's episode that we'll see the return of GIE. Yeah. And the thing is next episode will be like in humans centered in humans focused. And no. Uh, we in the preview, the leak preview. The preview has been leaked, and thank you for tagging me that <laughs> before the episode <laughs> premiered. And we saw Yo-Yo seeking help for uh, to obtain his powers back, and it's somehow connected to May. Yeah, and because that that's the interesting thing that like May got powers, but she lost hers. So yeah. I'm unsure if maybe when uh, I always forget the the character's name the the creepy body snatcher lady um, when she was in her body and Iselle, switched to Iselle. May, Izel, thank you. Yeah, maybe she took the inhuman DNA with her, and that's how May got her abilities. That somehow that kickstarted an inherent ability she would have had if she had gone through Terra Genesis, for example. Yeah, and you know, the thing I notice about uh, how the theme jumps, the theme time jumps, the Zephyr time mm-hmm. jumps in a way, it's kind of similar to that. I forgot the name of the Inhuman, Joe. That, that, that Inhuman with, with no eyes. That, that oh, yeah. Who, who's going to return? He's going to return next week as well. Um, it kinda, it's I think kinda, it was that, the Keeper or something. Yeah, it, it kind of similar. They're, they're kind of similar in a way that they're kind of similar visually. 
when you see for it in that perspective. When the Zephyr mm. goes at a time jump, it has this blue circle, like, like they're enclosing the blue uh, capsule of sorts, and then. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know if if they will establish establish connection there in the next episode. Yeah, Gordon was his name. Oh I yeah, don't remember Gordon? Yeah, he was killed by Coulson. That I think. <laughs> season two finale. I think I think it was uh yeah that it was when he fought Leo and and Mac. Yeah, it's a tree on one. Where he just got like yeah, <laughs> I mean he can jump through wherever he wanted to, so it wasn't fair to begin with. <laughs> yeah. I think there's an inter- interesting connection there because maybe um, so we still haven't seen Fitz, which is disappointing. I have a one mm. I have a one paragraph rant later about that. <laughs> anyway, so um, <laughs> so maybe uh, since Fitz and Simmons discovered time travel, and they're the one who devise uh, the Sephir with that time travel technology. What if they use inspiration from Gordon's way of transporting other people, and then you know they studied it, and then they find a way to uh, copy that visual, that visual representation of that. Not not the mm-hmm. internal, but but the visual representation. But I don't know. We're gonna, I guess we're gonna find out in the next episode about how that connection, or if there's a connection between yeah. those two tropes. I mean, I mean, it could also just be similar to how the MCU treats magic is that there's visual cues that showcase that they're connected in a way. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, Gordon jumps through space and, and technically he still moves through time the same way everyone else does. Yeah. So it, technically there is some time travel involved with him jumping from space to space and that maybe in general, just anything that has to do with jumping or through time, space or whatever, that is just connected to that visual key. Of how he does it, and um, just want to point out that a one that touching moment between you know Mac and his younger self you know, giving the remote control car, but even though it's not shown visually, <laughs> and also Deke uh, looking out for the younger version of Mac, it it, it gives me a way it's... to reflect, <laughs> like what if I'm what what if my adult self right now is like looking out for my younger self? It's just you know it just gives me thinking. After seeing that moment. It's such a cute... Like, the fact that... Like, even Deke, though, Mac kind of blew him up. And hell... Oh, my God. We've never seen Mac, like, at bottom of it all. Bottom yeah. of the barrel right now. And... Heavy. <laughs> Just... Yeah. It, it's, it's a very jarring, like, phase. Especially because they were gone from the rest for 20 months. But Deke never lost hope in him. And... I, I do like the line where he says, we need a leader. I'm just a dreamer. It's like, you know, he Deke may be a little over the top. He, you know, this is a guy who came from a very bleak future who was thrown into a wonderland where everything is possible. And, you know, he just became this person who had visions and ideas and he just became that person. But he also isn't dumb in any way. He's just very... It's a new world for him. He doesn't know how to handle it. Back in his day, he just shot someone because they tried to steal his stuff. And he thought he did the right thing, but he's adjusting to it. And he cares about the the S.H.I.E.L.D. team. Like, he is a part of their family. And it's a nice parallel to how uh, um, our other stowaway from the 1930s is also adjusting. So it, it's a very interesting dynamic. And I also like that Deke, who everyone thought was going to be the love interest for Daisy... 
is his own character in this way. So there's, they're really doing a lot with a character who I think at most people thought, okay, he's going to be a, he's going to disappear as soon as time adjusts. And yeah. him taking care of young Mac is just adorable. Uh, it, it shows that he really respects and cares for him and knows what he's going through. It's really a captivating moment. And, um, you no. know, I think his, his, his experience in the, in the bleak future that you mentioned really helped because in that bleak future, he was resourceful. And, that, and during the 80s when yeah. they stuck, he was really resourceful, you know, <laughs> gathering supplies, gathering the Deke squad, and then um, finding Coulson, and then incorporating the lighthouse as a, as a makeshift base. He does that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> And that's why, you know, as, as as bad as it is that he's pretty much influencing time with songs and singing them way before they came out, yeah. he, he just knows this is the only way he can make money. He yeah. knows these things are popular. It's going to make him money. He's going to get people around him. He knows that the lighthouse was evacuated. So he's, he's like, we see these facets of him, yeah. but know exactly that, yeah, he, he is this way, but he's not dumb. He does what he has to do. And also, can we forever call Mac Mac Daddy from now on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that, you know, Mac Daddy. I wonder how Yo-Yo would react to that, you know. Oh, she would Mac love it. Daddy. <laughs> Mac Daddy and the D. But not in missions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so next episode will be an exciting one. And I hope, um, please, for the love of God, have Fitz appear. I can't believe we this. We only have is six more episodes. Six more episodes. We're literally at the midpoint. We're way past the midpoint. And he still, he still hasn't shown up. And um, I, I, I've begun to wonder, Joe, if he's part of the main cast. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so to take his place. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. And actually, there's... Um, there's already a glimpse of, you know, uh, a hint of Fitz's smaller role here in this season. Because in the first preview of the poster of Agents of Feud Season 7, his character was just tiny. Like, there's only <laughs> a small glimpse of True, yeah. in that. So it's like, like a sign of things to come. Maybe I'm still going that with that theory of ours that he will save the day. He will fix a timeline in a way. I don't know how, but... He will be the last resort of the team. Yeah, I think he's the one who's going to save them at one point. And I'll, I'll say probably now I'll say towards episode 10 we'll see him appear. Maybe Because the, like, the next thing is the Chronicoms are technically defeated, but they're also not. It, it's, it's a bit of a strange thing. And it, especially if you look at the poster... Every costume we see here, we actually have seen by this point. So the yeah. question is, will this continue on the time travel shenanigans? Or are we entering the final development towards the end as they face the last remaining remains of the Chronicoms? Do we have the next year? Do we know the next year that they're on? They're on? I, I'm no. Not yet, right? So I, I, would guess not, I, I would guess it's the 90s or it's during the time... That they're getting Mac, they got Mac back. So it's either eight, I think, nineteen eighty four, or somewhere in the nineties. Yeah, it's just literally time has passed before the inevitable reunion at the end, because you know the Deke no. squad is now fully pledged Shield agents, and I think <laughs> Mac and Deke already trained them with uh, certain protocols and stuff. And well, wow. 
I hope to be part of the Geek Squad. Maybe, maybe I will become a shield agent. <laughs> 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 you know, it's a random guy being being recruited by someone from the future. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> Final thoughts, Joe. Uh, if you're going to rate this episode one to five, what uh, what will your rate be? With one being the lowest, five being the highest. I'd give it a, a four. I, I think it's it's a great tribute uh, to the '80s. It does a lot of like, while it doesn't do a lot for the overarching story, it does a lot for the personal stories, and it's it has some hilarious moments in it. Yeah, totally agree. Maybe mine is like four point five or something four because even though it's a bottle episode as you've mentioned, it, I, I actually enjoyed it. It developed the characters, specifically Deke and Mac, and also gave us touching moments along the way. All right, and that has been the our breakdown, recap, thoughts about the latest episode of the season seven of Agents of Shield. Please show up, Fitz. Okay, next. <laughs> And uh, please do follow us on Twitter for more discussions about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and all things Marvel. That's Twitter.com slash Exchange. You can also follow me on Twitter. That's Twitter.com slash Aaron Chino. That's A-E-R-O-N-C-H-I-N-O. You can also follow Charles on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at CFSBeginWeb. You can also follow Joe on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at that Abel, T-H-A-T-A-B-E-R-L. Awesome. And one last shout out to our listeners over at Spotify, YouTube, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts.